So, today I'm going to begin my very first podcast by thanking all of those who have for years pushed me to this point. I have had so many deep and lighthearted conversations about a variety of different topics and issues. And in many of those instances, you guys have suggested and even have forced my hand to just get started and create this. So I'm going to say that this inaugural broadcast is in in your honor. Yeah. I should have done this a long time ago. Yes, I know. But shit happens. It is what it is. But here we are. And let's go ahead and get it started. So let me start with saying outright that my attempt here is to discuss issues from an alternative vantage point. Now, what does that mean? Because there are so many people out here doing the same thing. Um, I had a friend say, you know, now you got all the celebrities running to do YouTube channels and podcasts. And that was something that was really selective to just the everyday person. Um, And now, in a way, the celebrity is now looking at everyone else and doing commentary, making them kind of the focal point in the celebrity. It's kind of odd. So I was really hesitant to even get out here and start this. But why I say this is from a different vantage point, it's it's not really to pretend like I don't have a bias. Because we all do, you know. Um, but I also want to remain open-minded and, keyword objective, what really... I think for me rules my positions positional positions will be morality and of course lighthearted pettiness because I am definitely here for the petty I am a lady 22 hours a day but I do allocate two hours a day to be petty Um, and so as this project grows I do hope to really expand my voice in the discourse and and talk real specifically about issues that affect us both on the micro and the macro levels. There are so many people that will say, oh, I don't have a bias or, oh, I'm remaining objective. And I think that's kind of impossible to do because we in many ways are like pendulums. You know, we can swing back and forth. You know, there's one issue here and then another thing affects us and then we swing to the other side. And that's okay. We're human beings. Things change. So... I'm right now deciding to call this podcast Piscantes y Meschino. And that is Latin for heavy and petty. Because I'm going to talk about a lot of heavy topics. 
you know, um, hopefully things that maybe you haven't heard of make the interconnections to those topics and also come for the petty because I'm here for it. You can't be serious all day. You can't. So today I'm only going to cover a few things. And these are some things that I have thought about over the last week. This being the first week of September 2020. And it has been an interesting year. I can't believe it's September. Um, Like you, most of us have been on lockdown, have been trying to edge out and find some normalcy. But I'm going to talk about just a few things just to kind of give you a preview of kind of where the direction for this particular cast is going. So today's topics will focus on weather, finance, social, political, and cultural discussions. Um, and so I'm going to begin with the weather. Why am I beginning with the weather? Well, it was one of the first things that stuck out in my mind because we're taught to think that weather is not something that we can control. And the older I've become and the more I've read and look at how everything is intrinsically linked to us. Yeah, we do have an effect on weather. You may know it as climate change. So let's talk about what we know. On the east coast of the United States and in the Caribbean and in the Gulf, they for, you know, this is hurricane season. They have experienced some significant hurricanes. And it has been quite difficult and quite surprising because of the strength of these hurricanes. If you look on the east coast of China and look at Asia right now, today, the Korean Peninsula is dealing with its third typhoon in a span of three weeks. It's highly unusual. Let me explain why. If you take a look at a map and you look at the North Pacific and the East China Sea, you'll see that Japan is an archipelago of islands. You'll see that there are some islands that are off the east coast of China. You'll see the Korean Peninsula stick out. Um, And if you notice that if you've seen any weather patterns that normally take shape, they're usually in the south. They don't come that far north. Okay. Now, the third week of August, there was Typhoon Bobby. The last week of August, going into early September, there was Typhoon Mesoc, which they called a super typhoon. And right now today, the Korean Peninsula and Japan, but specifically Korea, is now dealing with Typhoon Hashin. Now, normally typhoons don't work that way far up into the peninsula but the the eeriness of it is that if you look at a map and you look at Heilongjiang which is the northeast part of China where China Russia and Korea meet they're not used to that type of superstorm and North Korea being known as the hermit kingdom three typhoons of this magnitude in a period of they're devastated 
they are devastated. So definitely say a prayer for these people. Now, why did I specifically focus on Eastern China? Well, because in short, it's a signal of something a little bit more than I think the mainstream media is focusing on. Um, I was looking at a map and I, I like to look at USGS um, and I like to look at the earthquakes and the volcanoes. And if you know anything about seismic activity, one usually follows the other. Usually there's an earthquake and then normally after earthquake, a volcanic eruption happens somewhere along that marker. It could be far away. It could be somewhere else, but it's energy admitting itself. You know, it's expelling. That's how our earth works. And so in this map, I decided to click and it allowed me to look at other elements. And so I wanted to look at sea temperature and fires. And as soon as I clicked those icons, it just, the page blew up. And one of the things that I saw is I'm like, damn, the earth is on fire. What I saw was all of the West Coast of the United States just littered with fire. Side note, L.A. County yesterday recorded the hottest day on record at 132 degrees, which just met Death Valley's record a month ago of 100, almost 133 degrees, hottest place on Earth. That's very unusual. I wonder if it's because the heat of the oceans, which are really, really hot at this time of year because the seasons are changing and the fires are brewing. And then if you worked your way down the west coast of the Americas and you've gone into Mexico and then you make your way to South America, Brazil is on fire. The lungs of the earth are on fire. And then as I took the map and I began to move east, I realized a lot of sub-Saharan Africa is on fire. Now, I remember hearing and reading stories about the fires in East Africa and Kenya, which, of course, because it's Africa, it was getting no radio play. No mainstream news was following the story. And I just sat back to myself and said, wow, this is significant. But as I began to look again at this map and look at the earth temperatures, I noticed something very eerie. And I was looking at this time of the year, looking at the cold fronts dropping south a little bit earlier than I think it should be. And then again, I remember hearing the stories about these glaciers melting the size of Manhattan, just melting into the sea in the north. There was an ice shelf that broke off in uh, Antarctica early this summer. And that water, that ice is melting. And if you're taking any classes in life sciences, you'll know, or oceanography, you'll know that the buoyancy of salt in the seas and this fresh water mixing of this magnitude has an effect. It makes the ocean's temperatures rise because salt is dense. And I've noticed that these temperatures have created this flux and the oceans in between the Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn are normally hot, 
but a little bit harder than normal. And then I keep thinking fire. And then I see and hear that the Rockies and, you know, the flyover states of the United States are supposed to get snow next week. Why I start with weather? Because this is our home. This is our environment. And I kind of feel like there's this intrinsic link between the natural fires and the rage that we're seeing in our society, which I'll talk about in a moment. But let's put a pen on that and just say that I think it's going to get worse because we're not taking care of our home. So, again, sticking in the pen in that, I'm going to go on over to some financial news. And I saw that the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett himself, suggests that U.S. stock market has been overvalued by 77%. I totally believe that. I don't even think that the U.S. stock market is the only stock market that's been overvalued. I think the Hong Kong, Shanghai, the Nikita, you know, I think all of the major stock indices of the world, the London Stock Exchange, all of them are overvalued because I think speculators and governments have been pouring money into the stock market to keep it afloat, to give one this, shall I say, facade that everything's okay. Again, keeping things afloat, you know, tying it all into weather. Because we don't want everything to go aflame. And I believe that these stock indices are overvalued because I look at the state of the people on the ground level. Now, as an American, for those of you who are not American, I know most of you guys from other countries have been locked down like the rest of us. This is a global pandemic we're in. But what I'm finding is that our industrialized Western nations have been providing people with a manner to be self-sufficient. While in the United States, that's not been the case. If the banks could be bailed out in 2010, why can't the people be bailed out in 2020? Right now in the United States, there is a situation where unemployment has been cut from April up until August, roughly, people were getting an additional $600 a week. That $600 really made a difference. Um, it paid rents. It was it allowed people to be self-sufficient and take care of their children, among, among a most a host of other things. Now, the Trump administration decided to cut that, and both the House and the Senate have been fighting. They're going on, they're going on holiday. And before they left for their summer holiday, they didn't come to a resolution. Now, all these other industrialized nations have given what could be coined as a universal income, a something of base pay just to keep one afloat. Most Americans got one base payment April 2020, which we have to pay back come tax time 2021. And it's so funny because, as I mentioned, the pendulum earlier Andrew Yang, who was a Democratic nominee for president back in late fall, early winter of 2019, specifically stated that, hey, 
why don't we give everybody a universal income of $1,000 a month? That is a nice supplement to anybody's income under a certain threshold, which if I'm not mistaken, it was under 60000 a year. I could be wrong. A lot of people were like, oh, no, that's socialism. No, this is not a socialist country. You progressives are going too far to the left. Here's the pendulum swing. Now we have a pandemic and now a lot of those same people are like, oh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute, hold on. Let me go ahead and get that 1000. So let's give Andrew Yang a round of applause. Because he saw the necessity. He even spoke of situations like this happening where this would be the lifeline to so many people. And so I feel like, again, you can bail out the banks, but you can't bail out the people. We are living in some really interesting times, really. And financially, some of you may think that we are going to ride the storm out. We are in a recession. These indices are very much overvalued. You're not going to see the real flux and the real recession and depression, the trough, until late 2021. So about another year from now, that's when it really is going to start hurting. And we're not ready. So that ties into my last topic of like social, political, cultural narratives. Now, I said early out that I felt the best thing for one to be is objective. That's very important. Objectivity allows you to be open-minded and consider the other side's way of view because your, your side is not always right. But I'm sorry, there's no other way to say it. I think that Donald Trump is an Manchurian candidate. Now... You wouldn't know this, but this is something that I've been saying for years. His actions and his behaviors do not suggest the honor and respect of his station. He's the president of the United States. Now, Trump supporters would say, no, no, he's speaking the truth. And they would be right because it's his truth. It's his lens of the world. It's his viewpoint. It is his truth. And there are elements in his presidency that I try to agree I was waiting for every week. I was waiting for infrastructure week for the first two years. I was like, where's infrastructure? Week? I was like, I'm here for it because American infrastructure is so lagging behind other nations. Just look at Chicago. Um, the transit system is more than a hundred years old. Let's just stay facts. Same thing for the New York over a hundred years old lagging behind. If you think about the BART system and the San Francisco, Oakland Bay area, almost 40 years old. So we need upgrades. Now, how much more do we need to hear from administration officials before we say enough is enough? Today, we today at the time of this, this, this recording, we are 57 days away from the U.S. presidential election. And then, although some of you who are listening may not be American citizens, I will say that this election has more to do with your quality of life than at 
any other time in your living memory. Meaning that this has a significant effect on the state of our world. Case in point, Paris Climate Accord. Case in point, the Palestinian-Israeli um, alleged peace situation. This presidency has, in my view, spurned a lot of other situations that have not necessarily been beneficial to our globalized social world. We've been set aflame. You know, you have, you know, in Belarus, I believe, you've been having protesting in Belarus for these mock elections. Same thing in Russia. In Vladivostok, they've been protesting. Um, look at Lebanon. After that, that bomb blasted, terrible blast. Just never, ever forget that in Beirut. The whole parliament left. If I remember correctly, Belgium has not had a parliament in six months. Let's talk about Brazil's Bolsonaro. People just dropping like flies in the government. Look at Trump administration. People have been leaving since day one. Just nothing but acting officials, acting officials. I can keep going. But what it means is that we are in a really volatile and very fragile state not only what our social and cultural and political narratives and issues our financial and our environment they're all intrinsically linked with each other we're going to be flooded and set ablaze with so much in the next coming year that I don't even think many people are prepared for it. I think people are like, oh, you know, when this virus subsides, everything will be okay. No, pop quiz, it won't. Let me give you a little piece of information. When the Spanish flu began to show its face in 1918, do you know how long it took for it to just slow down in the population? Three years. Do you know how long it took for it to be abated out of just general circulation? 1959. If you look at the Justinian plague, the Black plague, the Bubonic plagues, all these other plagues that have ravished our societies and our civilizations since time began, they continue to repop back up. They come back. They come back. Why? Because humans are fools. We do not learn from history because history continues to repeat itself because we continue to make the mistakes. So you couple that with our environment. You couple that with our financial situation. The unrest. Oh, in America in the next few weeks. I'm an optimist. But it ain't looking too good. You see it happening. People are heated. People are ablaze. And I think that in the coming months and weeks, we're going to be flooded with so much conflict that it's going to take steady hands and calm minds to set things right. Because I'm an optimist. I feel that that will happen. But what is it going to take? What is it going to take? The October surprises that us political junkies in America look for during the presidential elections. 
one month before the elections, we get these little, what we call October surprises, these drip, drip, drips of information that are negative, that are that gives people the opportunity to swing their positions towards one candidate or another. And as you can see, um, the situation with Donald Trump in the last week has increased with severity, and I think there's more to come. Now, why did I go and turn a sharp left and talk about Trump again? It's because, again, we're all intrinsically linked, and like I said, this matters to everybody. So I think that what's coming, sometimes things have to get bad before it gets better. Not a doomsdayer, but I just see that that's the way it's going. But I think that for the rest of us, we have to remain optimists, you know, optimists, and we have to be kind to one another and be good to your fellow man, treat people as you would want to be treated. Those values those ethics is what's going to get us through this. If we lose that, it's a wrap. And having value and ethics and morality to your fellow man relates right back to how we treat ourselves and our environment. So with that being said, I'm going to end this particular cast by saying thank you for listening. I hope that this gives you something to think about and maybe the next cast will be a little bit more petty than heavy. So thank you for listening.